Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. I think we want to move to our first panel discussion, and we're going to focus a little bit on how we apply these practices locally, and I'll start with um, with Raven. So we've heard a little bit about, okay, we need to be on three drugs at maximally tolerated doses. We need a CCB, an ACE, ARB, and a diuretic. Um, but are there certain um, combinations that might be more effective than others? We heard from George, certain drugs even within class might be more effective. Yeah, you're right. Um, and so, again, need to emphasize that your, your initial treatment of these patients should include, as you said, a RAS blocker, ACE or ARB, a long-acting calcium channel blocker, amlodipine is my preferred agent, and a long-acting thiazide like diuretic. And fortunately, there are combinations of these therapies available in a single pill, excluding, though, of course, hydrochlorothiazide is the agent of choice that's available in these combination pills. So as you have here on the slide, Shriek, you know, the preferred combinations are using an ACE or an ARB combined with a long-acting calcium channel blocker, or with a diuretic, um, and there's also a combination of, you know, ACE inhibitor with a calcium channel blocker or with a calcium channel blocker. Those are the preferred combinations. Likewise, here on this slide, you also can see that there are combinations that are not preferred, and those are, lo- those are listed at the bottom. And the reason why these are not preferred is because you're combining two medicines that are redundant, and they have similar mechanisms of action. And then when you're combining agents that are redundant, have similar mechanisms of actions, they're less likely to be effective, and you're more likely to have side effects. So, for example, using an ACE and an ARB is not favorable. Using um, essentially acting agent like clonidine and a beta blocker will lead to more bradycardia, more fatigue, and again, not likely to get as much blood pressure lowering, for example. So what if I, I, you know, I do a good job now, and I've got my patient on an ACE and, uh, and a diuretic and a CCB, and their blood pressure is still uncontrolled. What, what would you do next there? Well, I mean, so if you have your patients on, you know, the preferred treatment, um, the fourth-line agent is foranolactone. Um, but really, there are other things that you can do even before you're thinking about what to add next. And I cannot emphasize the importance of the basics of lifestyle, right? And you're going to hear a lot today about newer therapies, pharmacologically, as well as device-based, but we cannot forget the basics about lifestyle. That is extremely important in hypertension management. And the things that I really work on with my patients are really their diet, their choices of food, and exercise. Um, And this is really why hypertension is a a team sport, right? The more people you have to help you to focus on lifestyle, in addition to all the other aspects of hypertension, the more likely you are going to be successful. So as you heard from Dr. Bacris, getting patients to eat out less, um, getting patients to eat less processed food is a great way to reduce their intake of sodium. Getting patients to walk, exercise, not only is it beneficial um, for their well-being, mental well-being, but also, of course, weight loss is important for, for blood pressure reduction and for cardiovascular health. So extremely important to not forget about lifestyle when you're managing hypertension. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, Raven, and I'll, I'll just uh, add in here, you know, we, we actually have some pretty good data about this. So there's the TRIUMPH trial, which is um, relatively recent, where lifestyle um, uh, changes were implemented in the setting of cardiac rehab in a formalized program versus just 
physician advice. Um, and you can actually see here there's substantial differences between those two approaches in the reduction of clinic blood pressures, ambulatory blood pressures, um, you name it. Um, and so really even thinking about that extra help that you talked about, maybe even in the setting of cardiac rehab, um, would, would be a way to go to actually implement this in a very um, effective manner. So uh, I think this is a really important point because we all know that many patients will, will come to you and say, yeah, I'm on four drugs now. I, what else can I do? I don't want a fifth drug. So really focusing on the lifestyle interventions is an, is an important thing both for providers and patients uh, to, to think about. Um, Keith, you know, we, we've been talking a little bit about um, hypertension as a biologic phenomenon, a little bit of lifestyle, but I think there are other aspects to, of this as well, social determinants of health. Can you talk a little bit about how you approach that? Yeah, that shows a, a thin diagram that I constructed for a paper that I wrote as an editorial on the Los Angeles Barbershop study by Ron Victor, the great late Ron Victor. And what he did was control blood pressure in black barbershops for a difficult-to-treat population, those are black men. Now, oftentimes, it's misinterpreted. The barbers didn't treat the hypertension. It was the barbershop that was a comfortable setting where the men felt that they could go and be treated with a certain degree of respect. The treatment was done by a hypertension-specially-trained pharmacist who was then able to collaborate with a Cedars-Sinai physician. They also used two-drug therapy as a first step, and 12% of the patients were on an aldosterone antagonist. He used a pyrrolinone, which is similar to spironolactone, not as potent, but it doesn't have the off-target. Again, these were black men. He didn't want to cause gynecomastia. What he showed was about 80% of them were able to get less than 140 over 90, two-thirds less than 130 over 80. So what this suggests is that if our community is embraced in community settings or even in your clinic with a certain degree of respect, using the right medicines and team approaches, we can control these difficult patients. Yeah, and I think this is, this is really key, uh, the idea of going to patients in the appropriate setting with the appropriate approach, in addition to the medications that we've been talking about here, make for an effective uh, intervention. So, you know, I think the key messages here from our, uh, from our discussion would be social determinants of health play a very, very important role in resistant hypertension. And you've heard a little bit about lifestyle modifications and how they can be implemented and how very important they are to achieving uh, blood pressure results. We've heard a bit about the three-drug regimen. Uh, combining um, drugs with different mechanisms of action, calcium channel blockers, an ACE or ARB, and an appropriate uh, diuretic. And then uh, spironolactone is often being the first choice, maybe a plerinone uh, after that as a fourth line uh, agent based on RCTs. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com CME. Thank you for listening.